From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. that you have joined us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. Currently, Dr. Cairns is bringing a series of studies in the earthly life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that focus on the Savior Himself, as revealed in His teaching and miracles, His atoning death on the cross, and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. The text for today is from Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 6. The Lord, our righteousness. It will always give a Christian the greatest calm, quiet, ease, and peace to think of the perfect righteousness of Christ. How often are the saints of God downcast and sad? I do not think they ought to be. I do not think they would if they could always see their perfection in Christ. There are some who are always talking about corruption and the depravity of the heart and the innate evil of the soul. This is quite true. But why not go a little further and remember that we are perfect in Christ Jesus? It is no wonder that those who are dwelling upon their own corruption should wear such downcast looks. But surely if we call to mind that Christ is made unto us righteousness, we shall be of good cheer. What though distresses afflict me, though Satan assault me, though there may be many things to be experienced before I get to heaven, those are done for me in the covenant of divine grace. There is nothing wanting in my Lord. Christ hath done it all. On the cross he said, It is finished. And if it be finished... Then am I complete in him, and can rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. You will not find on this side of heaven a holier people than those who receive into their hearts the doctrine of Christ's righteousness. When the believer says, I live on Christ alone, I rest on him solely for salvation, and I believe that, however unworthy, I am still saved in Jesus. Then there rises up as a motive of gratitude this thought, Shall I not live to Christ? Shall I not love Him and serve Him, seeing I am saved by His merits? The love of Christ constraineth us, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto Him which died for them. If saved by imputed righteousness, we shall greatly value imparted righteousness.
For those in the English-speaking world, the ability to own a copy of God's Word is taken for granted. Indeed, many of us possess multiple copies of the Bible. Yet, this was not always the case. There was a time when attempts to translate the Bible into the language of the common people were met with persecution and even death. Men like John Wycliffe and William Tyndale were hunted like outlaws simply because they labored to give God's Word to the people in the language they could understand. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to make available a booklet that briefly traces the history of those efforts. Entitled, How We Got Our English Bible, this short publication tells the story of the development of the authorized version of the Scriptures as we know it, including the enormous impact of the invention of printing upon the spread of God's Word. Published by the Trinitarian Bible Society, this booklet is free to all who request it. Simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Again, that's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of How We Got the English Bible, and we'll be happy to provide it. As Dr. Cairns continues this series of studies in the life and earthly ministry of Christ, he commences a message entitled, He Has Done All Things Well, taking as his text the words of Mark chapter 7, verse 37. Following the healing of the Syrophoenician woman's daughter, the Lord Jesus continued his ministry in Gentile lands in the region called Decapolis. Many came to him with various diseases and conditions, but the focus is upon a man who was deaf and dumb. Jesus employed an unusual method in this instance, but the man was immediately healed, causing the people to exclaim of Christ, He hath done all things well. In reflecting upon this Gentile setting, Dr. Cairns will point out that having been rejected by the Pharisees, Christ departed from them, emphasizing the danger of ignoring the Lord. Now Dr. Cairns introduces this message, He hath done all things well. Returning this morning, reading again two brief passages. First in Matthew 15, 29 to 31, and then Mark 7, 31 to 37. Matthew 15, 29, And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee, and went up into a mountain, and uh, sat down there. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them, insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, 
the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see. And they glorified the God of Israel. Mark seven thirty one. And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears. And he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. And he charged them that they should tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much the more, a great deal they published it. And were beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Amen. The Lord will add his own blessing to the reading of his word for his name's sake. It may appear surprising that after his apparent reluctance to hear a Gentile woman's prayer for the life of her daughter, because he was not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, the Lord Jesus should spend time in Gentile country displaying the wonders of his healing and saving power. From the region around Tyre and Sidon, on his way back to Galilee, the Lord Jesus visited Decapolis. That was Gentile territory. Indeed, some scholars and students of the chronology of the life of Christ believe that he spent as many as eight consecutive months in that Gentile territory. Whether that be so or not, certainly what we have here is a further proof of uh, what I said a couple of weeks back, that he was not really indifferent or indisposed or reluctant to help the Syrophoenician woman because she was a Gentile. And when he appeared to put her off, what he was really doing was first trying her faith and second giving the, giving the opportunity for that faith to be displayed in all its simplicity and all, in all its grandeur. So this helps to throw a little light, a little more light on that perplexing thing that is so perplexed many, even great scholars over the years. Why did the Lord Jesus apparently deal harshly with the woman, uh, the Syrophoenician, who came pleading for the life of her daughter? Now, when you study the whole background to this, you find that the Lord Jesus, you'll find it most clearly uh, here in Mark 7, but even more so, I think, in Matthew 15, the Lord Jesus had been dealing in Galilee with hypocritical Pharisees. You remember what he said to them? This people draws near to me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And so he withdrew himself out of Galilee, away from those religious hypocrites, 
And he made his way to the area of Tyre and Sidon, the land of the Gentiles. And that removal, whether it was for days or weeks or as some think for many months, that removal from the land of promise, from Galilee, among the Jews, into the area of the Gentiles, is one of the most significant things that the Lord Jesus did in his ministry, for many reasons. For example, here you find the Lord Jesus, the Master himself, setting the example for what would later be done by Paul and by Peter, first by Peter. You remember, Paul went so far as to say, turning away from the Jews in disgust, he went so far as to say, I am turning to the Gentiles. Now, to say that to a Jew was blasphemous in his ears. To say it to a Jew was to be guilty of the most insulting statement and behavior that they could attribute to you. Yet Peter and Paul both went with the gospel to the Gentiles. And they did so, obviously, because at that time the Lord by His Spirit led them. But they also had the personal example of the Savior Himself, when at this time He deliberately turned from the hard-hearted Pharisees who knew it all between their ears, but had nothing in their hearts, out there to the pagans and the heathens who had nothing in their head at least very little of the truth of God in their head, but in many cases whose hearts were open to what the Savior had to say. I don't have the time to pursue that, but that is always one of the most telling, searching, and solemn lines of thought in Scripture. It is a great blessing for a people to have Christ near unto them. It is a great blessing for a people to have the Word of God as the Jews did. It is a great blessing for any people to have the way of truth made known to them, to have a mental, intellectual knowledge of the truth of God revealed in Scripture. But when people's religion has got down to the level of the Pharisees, that they know how to mouth pious platitudes, they know how to recite scripture texts, they can argue about theological points, but their heart is far from God. It is so dangerous because it is inviting the Lord to withdraw from them completely. And if you want to know what the real trouble in the Western world is today, that is precisely it. And I don't want to be a prophet of doom. I pray for the grace of God for this nation and for my own nation. Pray that God will have mercy yet upon it. But if you want to understand what is at the root of the problems of our Western nation, if you want to understand why it is that it seems the tail can wag the dog, and the little cadre of atheists and perverts can take over the running of a country and damn a great civilization, 
you want to understand why, you will understand this, that when a nation forgets God, Psalm 9, 17, it will be turned into hell. Oh, it's a tragic thing for a nation, for a church, for an individual, blessed with all the input of knowledge, to turn away because it invites the Savior himself to withdraw. And isn't it ironic to put it at the very lowest? Isn't it ironic that in the last 50 years there have been many, many, many more times people won for Christ in communist China than there have been in Britain or America or both of them combined? Isn't that ironic? What is happening? The Savior who withdrew from Galilee and went to the pagans is still the same today. You draw near with your lips, with a heart far from him, you invite his withdrawal. Significant action indeed. But also, it's an action that proclaims something that should be joyful to us all. That is, that the Lord Jesus is not the Savior only of the Jews, but he's the Savior of the world. And he went out of the land of Israel, even though his being sent into the world was specifically with a mission to Israel. Yet, the Christ of God went out beyond the borders to let it be known that he is indeed the Savior of the world. Now, turning to what happened when he went into Gentile territory, especially uh, on his way back to Galilee, what happened in Decapolis. It's very interesting that Matthew records for us, and we read this in chapter 15, 29 to 31, that he healed multitudes. Many, many miracles took place. And seeing those miracles... The crowds cried out and glorified the God of Israel. By contrast, Mark ignores the many miracles, and he singles out one. Now, we're not told why. Perhaps it was the first of the great miracles. Perhaps it was the miracle that most stirred up the public's attention, was most responsible for bringing in the vast majority of the people or causing the excitement. I don't know. But one way or another, Mark singles out this one miracle to summarize everything that happened during that period in Gentile country. They brought unto the Lord Jesus a man who was deaf and who had an impediment of speech. The Greek text says he spoke with difficulty. That would lead us to believe that he had not been born deaf. People born deaf, especially in those days, had no way of learning to speak even with difficulty. 
So somehow or other he had lost his hearing. He had uh, a physical impediment that made it difficult for him to speak. And they brought him to the Lord Jesus. I always like it when you read, they brought him to Jesus. That's the thing to do. When you're dealing with folk in all their need, you can do no better than bring them to the Lord Jesus. So they brought him to the Lord Jesus, and they asked him to touch him. The Lord Jesus answered that, and he not only touched him, we really put his fingers in his ears. Something that seems culturally so far away from uh, what we would recognize as proper today, he spat, as many think possibly, uh, on the tips of his fingers, touched his tongue. He looked up to heaven and sighed deeply, and then he spoke the one word, Ephatha, be opened, and the result was immediate. The man's ears began to hear, and we read that he spoke plainly. No wonder Mark selected this as the miracle of note. No wonder the people were so excited that no matter how much they were told, don't trumpet this around, they did exactly that. By the way, the reason they were told not to spread it around was that there were crowds enough there, and too many crowds simply impeded the progress of the work. So uh, they kept spreading it around. No wonder that they cried out, he has done all things well. What a text. That's one of those texts, you know, that sits in its context. And it makes you understand the whole context. But it's one of those texts that is so vast that you could lift it out of this context and set it in any context and still say it. He hath done all things well. This is a text in praise of the goodness and the greatness and the completeness of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has done all things well. What a testimony those Gentiles raised to Christ. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, founded by Dr. Alan Cairns. Let the Bible Speak is also heard in many parts of the world through the international radio outreach of Let the Bible Speak, produced in Northern Ireland. The Free Presbyterian Church stands without apology for the absolute inerrancy of the Bible, emphasizing preaching that centers on the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ and is militant in its stand against the ecumenical apostasy and the efforts of the world to infiltrate the Church. For further information about the Free Presbyterian Church, you may email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. You may call us at 864-244-2408. Or you may write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Again, that's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Also, we encourage you to visit the website of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America at www.fpcna.org. 
That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we let the Bible speak. (music) 